Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. You are listening to Storygram Podcast Network. One media, one media, where we pick the wrong witch anime and we get rabies. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's right. I'm Takeshi. With me, of Santos, and it is week five of Gothtober. Oh my Goth month! I should have uh, released episode four by now, probably today. <laughs> but we kind of made a mistake. And in our notes here, we put Flying Witch or Witch Academia, and I thought that meant that it was the same anime. <laughs> Lo and behold, it's two different animes. One's called Flying Witch, and the other one's called Little Witch Academia. I was only able to watch two episodes of Flying Witch, for, and it was 12 episodes. And from what I watched, it was really good. I'm a little upset I wasn't able to watch more, and I'm really sad that Santos wasn't able to watch this one either. <laughs> no, because I mixed up the memo, and I watched Little Witch Academia, and I watched quite a bit, like maybe seven or eight episodes of that one, and I think it's really cute, so I'm hoping she will watch that. We'll have to trade. Like, we'll finish. We'll have to... You'll have to finish Flying Witch. You know what? Yeah, let's do that. Maybe a, during a redemption. We're going to have a couple of redemption episodes before the end of the year. <laughs> we just... We got witches right. That's a plus. Um, we got cute right because that's what we needed um, this week. We yeah. definitely needed something cute to watch after the last few weeks. Most of the goth anime themes we went for were more like vampires and demons. and It was pretty violent. Satan. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this is a really nice way to cap off gothtober is bringing that witch vibe. But we'll just tell you a little bit about each one. Yes. And then we promise we'll get back to both of them because i think they both deserve a redemption sooner or later <laughs> yes so do you want to start off or do you want me to start off you start off so i know how to do it because i don't usually do this <laughs> <laughs> sure okay it's called flying witch the genres are comedy oh boy i don't even know how to say that and uh supernatural it was written by Chihiro Ishizuka. Ishizuka Chihiro. Okay, or here we go in American. Chihiro Ishizuka. 
And it's actually a manga, so it's still going on. It's on a Batsu Shonen, which is a monthly magazine. And it started in August 9th of 2012, and it's still going on. It is 12 volumes. The anime series was directed by Katsushi Sakurai. Sakurabi Katsushi. Sakurabi? Katsushi Sakurabi. <laughs> Katsushi. That's what it looks like. He said like. it so slow. <laughs> Katsushi. Katsushi. Yes, Katsuki Sakuraki, I guess, or something. They've also worked on, because they just put animator and artist and director, but they've worked on other things, such as、uh, Heaven's Memo Pad, Waiting for the Summer. One Punch Man Season 2, Episode 11, Alice and Azokuru, quite a bit, but I don't know any of these really, except for One Punch Man. One of these days we're going to have to watch One Punch Man because it's so good.、Mm-hmm. So it is 12 episodes. It was released in April 10th of 2016, and it went till June 26th of 2016. You could watch this on Crunchyroll. And it's actually just kind of a simple anime, but that's what I really loved about it. It just kind of grabbed you and it was like really mellow. And it's just about this girl named Mikato. And part of being a witch or like going through the academy is like you have to live on your own for at least three or four years or a certain amount of time. But her parents didn't trust her living on her own. So they made her like go live with. Her relatives, and that's in like a normal land. Or she, so she's coming from Yokohama. So then she moves to Hirosaki. You can't really tell that she's a witch at first. The only thing you can tell is that she has a black cat and she talks to it. But she looks like a really kind of a typical Japanese girl that has no sense of direction. Until like the middle of the episode where she picks up a broom with the kid and just starts flying with her in the air. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. This is the way the anime is going to be. And to be honest, it's just like this almost everyday life of her just going through school and other people from the witch world kind of coming in and visiting her or her meeting new people or whatnot.、And、so she lives in like a regular world? Yep. And that's part of the training is to be in the real world? Yep.、Hmm. And so it's kind of like a high school、yeah. anime drama kind of. But you said it's, it's, it's comedy, though. So it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny, but it's really cute. It, to me, it feels like kind of a Studio Ghibli anime. But of course, the animation's not like that, but it just the, the vibe of the characters and how it's just kind of slowly paced and everything. And I really do like it. So I'm going to have to. Watch way more of it because it looks like there's quite a few more characters that I missed out on and everything. Like, I haven't seen any of this. That's great. So, this is something you recommend, and we'll continue watching. Yes, we are going to have, I promise we're going to have a redemption episode. Yeah, because everyone who likes this right now is like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you haven't gotten to any of the juicy bits or anything. So, um, Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the family that she's living with, I mean, of, of course, he, like, she's living with、uh, 
a single, you know, teenage boy and this little girl who is six, I think. So she's just like, so she's just kind of like getting used to the town and all other stuff. And it's really good. And the second episode, it gets right into like some weird creature from the witch realm. They called him a killiger or something like that. And he is like, kind of like a god or whatever for spring and it helps bring spring over i guess and he looks like this creepy little character but he's actually really kind and everything and Uh so i highly recommend it from what i've watched so far perfect (laughs) i'm excited and is it dubbed or is it it's subbed only Subbed. cool all right because it looked like there is maybe english somewhere no no english Okay. And it's so funny because all the comments I read is just like, this is such a calming anime. So if you're in it for like a calming anime, then definitely go for this one. I'm looking forward to it because I definitely need that in my life. I love to have that. And like we said earlier, we watched a lot of violent <laughs> anime oh this God. month. So I'm really excited <laughs> to like, yeah, coast out of Gothtober on like a calming, witchy, cute anime so okay so you watched little witch academia which is on netflix i just pulled up the information and its genre is coming of age magical fantasy and magical girl i would put maybe a little bit of comedy in there it's kind of silly it's very cute it's very silly there's let's see so it says anime film manga Oh my God, enemy television series. There's like a bunch of stuff, <laughs> video game. Oh my goodness, there's everything. So I'm just gonna talk about the Netflix one where the original, so it was released January 9th, 2017 and went till June 26, 2017. And there's 25 episodes. Oh so boy. There's quite a bit. Yeah, there's, yeah. And I watched, I swear I watched like eight. Like I just had it on. I've been staying up late trying to work on the computer doing other stuff. So I just had it playing like at night. And so I was just like watching it directed by, here we go, Yoshinari and written by uh, Michiru. All right. All right. So we'll go for the direction with Yo Yoshinari. Yeah. Yoshinari. Let's see how I did. (laughs) (laughs) Yoshinari yo. Yoshinari yo. Yo, Yoshinari. <laughs> yeah, that's how I say. <laughs> and then the writer is, wait, they always say, we, re, we read it backwards, right? So, yeah. Shimada Michiru is the writer. Shimada Michiru. Michiru Shimada. <laughs> Michiru Shimada. Yeah. The, the, the mangas, there's like so many different ones. Oh, really? There's like... So it's a total franchise again. Do you think... Yeah. Cause no, it no, like, no. It says uh, Tirio. Tiri? Yeah. Terio Teri. Terio Terry. Teddy. Okay. And that, you see, like, there's a film... First, yeah. it looks like that was released in March 2nd, 2013. And then it has the manga is coming out August of 2013, August of 2015 to November um, 2015. Then another film. Like, I feel like there's a lot. <laughs> then more manga. <laughs> yeah, they got you covered. 
Yeah, there's a lot. Okay, so that's that. So it's about, again, a girl and a witch school. So <laughs> the school is Luna Nova Magical Academy. And the um, main character is Akko. Or her name, her full name is Atsuko uh, Kagari. And she is wild. She's this very wild character. She fell in love with this witch named Shiny Chariot, who like kind of like whips around like on a broom and like has these big light shows. And her magic's like real, like can't like big. And she's like, I want to be a witch. So she ends up <laughs> going to enrolling into Luna Nova magical academy but the fun part about this whole thing is she's not good at magic like so <laughs> she's got a lot of passion and drive but and tenacity but no real talent for it so it's her finding her place in this witch world she's a couple of friends one's name is Susie who's like really goth because she's like so over it she's like really apathetic and she likes poisonous things like she has a mushroom collection and she collects poison I guess she's from the Philippines too Oh, okay. <laughs> that, so she's, so she's, I guess she's much more dark. She has like kind of a dark witchy vibe. And then they they have like a cute, like nerdy friend too, who like, yeah, I just looked his finish. Uh, is it Lottie? Yeah, Lottie. So they're okay. kind of like roomies. And then there's like a popular girl, Diana, who's like good at everything. And then there's like a fun... It sounds really good. It is. And it's like each episode kind of like wraps up, you know, like a little challenge. But the big thing is, is this shiny chariot, like this famous witch is disappeared. And so it's Akko's kind of goal to try to meet her idol and get good at magic. So, and then there's these moments where she comes through, you know, like she figures things out. She is always there to help people. So she has this really big heart, but she's like just really forceful. Like instead of trying to concentrate, she's kind of yells louder. Like she's really like, but the best part about this, as cute as it sounds, there's like weird, really dark things that are kind of like sprinkled throughout like 666, like these kind of references, they talk about astrology and numerology and all sorts of weird things will pop up. So just when you're thinking it's like kind of like little kid, there's like kind of some fun, dark flavors that come through. Yeah. Characters look like a lot of fun too. Yes. And they're, they are like, there's a bunch of fun teachers. There's a teacher who's a, like a goldfish in a bowl. <laughs> so... It's just kind of over the top and it's cute though. It always like, you know, has like a good message, like a sweet message to it. So it was really nice to watch. Like I was like, oh, I needed this too. But it's not as calming as what I think flying witches probably. <laughs> okay. I swear like either in December or maybe in 2022, we'll have a couple of redemption episodes. <laughs> we are. We're in a <laughs> definitely. But I really, I do recommend this. It's been on a lot of lists. That's where it got on our list. And I always thought, oh, this looks like two little kid. Not that I'm one to talk because I liked K-On. But I thought it was going to be like, just like K-On, but with the witches and it'd be kind of boring um, after a while. But it's not. They have little adventures each time and, and they're kind of wild. Yeah, so definitely recommend it. All right. Well, right on. I guess we completed our witch week. <laughs> really? Okay, I guess. Yes. <laughs> so we'll be right back in just a moment. Storygram Network. 
Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network. That's right. And we are back and we're going to talk about a pretty legendary industrial band called Skinny Puppy. And we're going to cover Skinny Puppy Rabies. To some people, this is actually their best album. And other people, I mean, it could be the album where it was just like they kind of sold out or whatnot. I'm not sure. Where does it fall in their catalog? This is their fifth studio album. Okay. And so some people feel like they hit a good point, like an amazing point in their musical career. And other people might be like, nah, I like the earlier stuff. Well, okay. Al Jurgensen produced this album. He is of ministry fame. And supposedly his influence in this album is pretty apparent in a couple of the songs, which is kind of true. So this was released uh, November 21st, 1989, and is recorded from 1988. 1989. It was recorded at Vancouver Studios, Chicago Tracks Studios, which is of Wax Tracks fame. The vinyl and cassette is 51 minutes, and the CD version is 60 minutes. It was on the label Network with two T's and an E-R-K, W-E-R-K. And once again, it was produced by Al Jurgensen, uh, David Ogaviv, and his uh, other name is Rave, and Kevin Key. So the album before this was Vivid Sex 6, which is a vivid section, which is all based on like animal rights and everything. It's a pretty crazy album. And the album that came after this is Too Dark Park. Some information about Skinny Puppy. They started in 1982. And before that, they were kind of doing synth pop in a way, which sounds kind of weird considering the direction that they went. And they're both from Vancouver. So Kevin Key was, or Kevin Compton was in this band called Images of Vogue. And Skinny Puppy was the intention of something more compelling and experimental. But Images in Vogue was a pretty popular act in Toronto. Ended up opening for Duran Duran and Depeche Mode and Roxy Music. The original lineup was Kevin and Navek Ogre, a.k.a. Kevin Ogreveve. So I'm assuming Dave and Navek are related somehow, since they have the same last name. That's a pretty unique last name, to say the least. I don't know. Um, <laughs> <Good guess. laughs> that's a very, very unique last name. 
who was it? Bill Lieb of Frontline Assembly fame was in the band and they weren't as industrial. They're a little bit more synth poppy with these really harsh lyrics beforehand. Supposedly started for their distaste in, uh, was it called? That one band. I can't remember their name right now. Oh no. Uh, Tommy Lee. What's it? Motley Crue? Motley Crue. Supposedly they started because of their distaste for Motley Crue, even though I can't find it in here. <laughs> like they heard Motley Crue is like, we'll start our own thing. Yeah, like f- these guys. They are just <laughs> over the top, like girls, 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 and yes. everything. So and, it was like spite creativity inspired. Yeah, and they're like, <laughs> this, f- this fashion scene, f- everything. And so that's awesome. why they supposedly started. So, and then later on, there was this keyboard player named Dwayne Cotel, which is my favorite part of Skinny Puppy by far. (laughs) As soon as Bill Lieb lost interest in Skinny Puppy, Dwayne Cotel joined and him and Kevin used to just, I guess they would call it brapping or brap, which meant to get really high and jam out on electronic music. (laughs) Yeah. And they also have a troubled uh, ending in a way, especially Dwayne Gotell. I want to get more into him right now because I guess he learned how to play piano and then he secretly bought a Korg MS-20 for $800. He had to hide it from his parents, but that's where he learned a lot about synthesis. So Rabies, the album, was kind of like this weird thing where I guess Nevek brought Al Jurgensen in, and Kevin Key mentioned that he thought the reason why Nevek brought him in was to break up the band, which is kind of weird. And of course, you know, Al Jurgensen did a lot of drugs. He's like notorious for being a hardcore junkie. And they also mentioned that they wrote a couple songs with Al Jurgensen in mind, and that's mostly Fascist Jock Itch and Tin Omen, which are the more heavy guitar songs in there. So the reason why I like this album is actually one of the first industrial bands I've ever heard. I think I heard them back in, like, God, maybe 90 or something like that. I had to be, like, maybe in seventh or eighth grade or something. And I had a friend who asked me if I ever heard Skinny Puppy before. And I was like, uh, no, I like Metallica and Primus. And uh, he's like, well, you should check it out. So I ended up buying it and just, I still have the, well, now you have the album, but it's I still there. It. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to laugh because I was thinking, I was laughing because I'm like, you're my friend who was like, have you ever heard of Skinny Puppy? <laughs> Pass it on. <laughs> That's awesome. So you found them at a pretty young age. Yeah, so it's pretty much... Skinny Puppy is always going through my DNA, (laughs) per se, my bloodstream. This is my roots of electronic music and experimental music uh, by far. Okay, so some of the songs in here are inspired by, like, the Exxon oil spill in 89, which was a really big one, the Tiananmen Square protests and then warlock was actually inspired by ogre getting in a scuffle and getting approached by a bunch of skinheads well it's kind of a dark album yeah it's industrial 
Definitely. Dark, um, industrial, <laughs> loud. What's the connection of industrial and goth? You know, I'm not too sure. Like, but it's there. It's, it's always very, there. Yeah. I just didn't know because <laughs> I feel like it's like very part of the goth. Oh yeah, it definitely is like this. I think if anything, industrial is like kind of more like this dark music where it has more of a dance beat. So it got like really attached to like the goth scene and it's like kind of more experimental. I remember after, once again, here we go, someone dying, uh, <laughs> Dwayne Gautel dying and uh, Skinny Puppy disbanded for a bit because they you know without Dwayne they couldn't be skinny puppy and there was all these bands that tried to sound like skinny puppy whenever i went to like goth club i could hear these songs or whatever and you could tell that they were trying to sound like Novak. they're all trying to sound like skinny puppy in some way or another this band was the inspiration like a certain sound and style oh yeah definitely i mean even like trent reznor said he's inspired by skinny puppy you can hear it like this is like the um i don't know this album honestly did not listen to it very much <laughs> i've been this week has been really busy and stressful and it doesn't help you when you're stressed out already to listen to it so it's like in an intense album and so I get that from like, I don't know, there's something like the um, original sound. Like you could like, oh, this is where it came from. Like that's when I listened to him, like, oh, this is where everything came from. Like it kind of hatched this layered chaos and intensity. Yeah, definitely. And I think Trent saw them when, when they were more of a synth pop industrial band, or maybe during like Cleanse Fold and Manipulate or something along that line. Because after this, it's like Too Dark Park and Last Rites, which Last Rites is so f insane. It's so good. Highly recommended. The Process was the last album they did with Dwayne Cotel before he overdosed on heroin. <sighs> and it's an awful album. And um. it, it was actually on Rick Rubin's label. And Rick Rubin was the one that kind of wanted them to sound more like Nine Inch Nails or whatever. So poorly produced. And yeah, that's sad. Our Gothtober has a lot of Three sad deaths. stories. Yeah, so maybe that's part of being goth. I don't know. <sighs> yeah, a lot of drugs and... Yeah, that's this time period. Um, well, well, this one, like I said, I was not in a great mood this today. So when I was trying to listen to it, I was all, nope. And I had to like sift through and... Listen to something it's a, else. It's a great album. I like the way they use a sampler in here. Like, how can I explain it? Like, you know how hip hop uses samplers? They use it more for taking certain riffs, like a drum loop or like horns or whatever. Where it seems like Skinny Puppy used it in this completely different way, as of like texture and character to add on to the actual song. So if you listen to it, you'll hear like these weird samples from movies and I don't know where the f they got them from, to tell you the truth. There's quite a few different ones. It sounds like they do use like a Star Wars laser beam in there and they like extend it out a little bit longer. And also they use like weird small riffs here and there of like symphony sounds and stuff like that, but they use it as like this harshness to add on to whatever crazy sh that's going on with the music. It's really interesting, and I forgot about that. It's been so long since I've listened to... I mean, I'll go back and listen to Skinny Puppy, 
And then I'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. That's how they use samplers. That's how I wanted to use a sampler back in the day. Oh, forgot. And then kind of go back into this loop and everything and go back into it. Now, I like how you explain that. And we can maybe you can find a song to kind of illustrate it. I mean, even Warlock, it has like that one part where they use that Beatles Helter Skelter song, the guitar riff. It's used so much. And then, but they use it for this one part. And then they have this other part where that actually has Charles Manson talking in there. And at the end, I think A View So Cruel is actually Charles Manson, too. It's pretty interesting. It's, I think it's like the quintessential like album for industrial music, per se. And what about Skinny Puppy? Like, is this a good place to jump in and start listening to Skinny Puppy? Uh, well, this is why I started off. So I'd say yes. <laughs> it, like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's like just like this is a good one. To this is to. definitely a good one because it has a lot more catchy songs. So if you're having trouble with this album, Santos, none of their other albums are as catchy as this album. It's definitely like the mood you're in. That's how I feel. It's like, I just need to be in a better place to listen <laughs> to this one. Oh, yeah, it's totally. heavy. So that's all. That's really heavy. I can't believe I used to listen to this all the time as a teenager <laughs> and just think, oh, right? yeah, it's pretty. And like, I used to have friends who like, I would hang out with and we just listen to this album all <laughs> the time with. It explains a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like a daily. Oh my God. But it's like, I get it because it's like candy for your ears. It's like all the different layers and textures and different ways of doing, you know, like you said, the samples and different sounds. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like I have a friend. He's a really good producer and stuff. And he told me that he, when he was a teenager, he used to do a bunch of acid and listen to Skinny Puppy. And I was like, how could you do that? but right on it's like the most intense experience yeah but like as a sound person i mean like things are just going left and right and all this crazy is going on the whole entire time and that's what i love about it (laughs) (laughs) well i want to know what your favorite song is oh god my favorite song I might have to go Hex and Onux. <laughs> Great over. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. It's like Hex with a bunch of extra ONXs.
amount of that was going on in that song that we just heard is so amazing. And you got to consider they weren't using computers back then. Oh, you know, so it's 89. <laughs> it's like a manual. <laughs> and they were using like samplers. They look like keyboards, but it would take in samples and then you could like kind of like it was not easy to work with a sample on a keyboard in any way, shape or form. It would just load and sit there and then you have to kind of wait for it to do its thing. And then you go, okay, so what if I reverse this? And you have to wait for it to reverse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real labor of love, like to put this type of music together. Yeah. And oh my God, they have this the craziest breakdown. Um, let me see if I could find it. Mm -hmm. You can hear that they're using a, a Star Wars laser, but they did something where they're able to hold it, the note, and it gets lower. And then they have all these crazy samples going on in the background. It's more fun listening to it with you. <laughs> so you're like, listen to this part. And then this, and I'm like, oh, now I can really appreciate it. So, Oh, my God. I mean, God, I mean, of course, that's about, I noticed I looked at it again and I'm listening to the lyrics. It's about Exxon and the whole entire oil spill. That was scary. That was such a bad one. God, I used to listen to it when I was big. I was like, all, <laughs> what? what's going on here? I don't get it. <laughs> What's another one that you think highlights something? Uh, Warlock. Oh my God, it's so good. This is probably like their pop song. Which one? Warlock. Oh, okay. It is number two, aside from Assimilate. But here we go. We'll go into Warlock. But yeah, so Skinny Puppy in general, if you listen to like all the weird samples that was going on, and even throughout the song, it's just like they're using this sampler like really creative. So I mean, I know I said it several times already, but it's pretty cool just to listen to it and go, okay, this is how I didn't get what they were doing, and now I get it more. <laughs> Now, 
so you know like now we have computers so would it be so much could you still get the same sound though with the technology now but because of how they put it together um you know that's the thing like i don't know i mean nowadays the way they do it is all computer-based but kevin key does pretty good because he just um he uses more modular synths than anything and it's so it has kind of a unique sound to it but yeah, this definitely sounds pretty unique of their albums. Yeah, I don't know how. So there was that. Oh, okay. So how would they record it all? Is that what you're saying? They'd be using tape. So basically, they would be using like two inch reel to reel or whatnot. And then they'd probably have a click of some sort. So it might be the drum beat or whatever. And then they'd probably add on to it later or whatnot because Kevin and Dwayne would be writing all the songs and normally Nivek would come in and do the lyrics later or whatnot. And supposedly during Warlock, Nivek used a Roland harmonizer to create that vocoder effect during the chorus. I'm not really too sure, probably. Uh, I don't know why they would <laughs> lie about that. But harmonizers yeah. are hard to get nowadays. It's so strange. Like, I remember oh. in the 90s, harmonizers would be this, like, this thing that everybody knew about. And then around the late 90s, like, that auto-tune came around and this <gasps> harmonizers got just kicked to the side. Oh, but the auto-tune sounds so robotic. It wasn't meant for that. It was actually just meant for tune correction, actually. And I guess the story goes, it's a share story. She did believe in one take, then she left. The sound guys were like, oh, great. This is not working, really. And so they just threw the auto-tune on there as this idea. And then 
I guess they just turned it all the way up to see if they could fix the tuning and create that weird robot voice. Oh, that's what popularized the use of auto-tune for the sound, like yep. distorting the voice. Making it sound like a robot, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. She was the, the founder of that. Thanks, Cher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, when used appropriate, you know, like it, like when it's used on purpose for the right sound, it just got everywhere. Yeah, that's the biggest problem about it. Uh, it is definitely like everywhere. It's used no matter what now. Like nowadays, you can't tell if someone's just singing naturally or if they're using auto-tune. Mm-hmm. And then the harmonizer with similar technology, just... Uh, no, not really. <sighs> What's the best way to explain it? Well, it would harmonize with whatever you're doing. So, And then it'll add like extra voices along with it. Oh, okay. And so it was a little bit different. So the voice wasn't on its own. It wasn't it, just pitch correction. Like literally mm-hmm. autotune was created for pitch correction. It's just Cher was the one that used it wrong and it came out to be really cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so nice. weird. So it weird. Is. So Skinny Puppy done and everyone's in their own individual projects at this point. Okay. So what happened? Like how? Yeah. <laughs> there was a death, right? And then they kind of stopped. There was a death in 96. Mm-hmm. And they literally couldn't do a skinny puppy without Dwayne. And definitely, like, the process is what separated Vivek from Dwayne and Kevin Key. Because Kevin Key like and Dwayne also were working on, like, Download, probably Doubting Thomas, and that other band, I can't remember the name of it right now. Oh, The Tear Garden, which is like one of my favorite projects by them. So I think I played a riff from The Tear Garden this month. Definitely like super like dark and goth. And it's got the singer from uh, The Legendary Pink Dots in it. So they were definitely like working on a bunch of different projects at the time. But during the process is when Dwayne accidentally OD'd. Very unfortunate. And the other thing that's crazy is that he got really inspired by Square Pusher and Aphex Twin, and he was starting to make electronic music under a duck. And it's really good. And so far, I only found like three songs by a duck. So, oh, so just a little glimpse of where he was going. <laughs> yeah, it was really good. It's a bummer that he wasn't able to continue with what he did. Anyway, so skinny puppy. (laughs) Yeah, so please don't do a bunch of drugs and overdose or commit suicide, to say the least. Like, stay away. But so they did not regroup then as another version of themselves? or Okay, so they regrouped in 2003. I think the only reason why they got back together was because of the Hellfest over in Europe, I think. It's what it's called. It was either on 666 or sometime in 2003, they reunited and they got paid like a bunch of money to do it. Like gangbusters. Like it was worth it. (laughs) Yeah. And in between then, like Kevin Key played drums with Ogre's side project called Ogre. (laughs) O-H-G-R. And... He toured with them. I got to meet them back then or whatever, or at least one of them. Yeah, so they did get back together, and God, they released this song, and it was so f- 
awful and they had this really bad this was like their big return back you know and they had this really bad video of like these goth kids dance battling a bunch of hip-hop kids (laughs) oh no did they all lose (laughs) supposedly they like had respect for each other and they disbanded or whatever but it was a awful awful video i I got like oh dude Maybe you could get like a, uh, we'll get a live reaction because it's really that bad. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, dude. It, it, <laughs> and like, I remember like Evan and I were like really hardcore skinny puppy. That's like part of our friendship is skinny puppy and us like having this respect for skinny puppy, even though we love electronic music and us watch it and we're like, oh God. All right, so I sent you the link. You could go ahead and watch this. You want to do a, like a one, two, three, and we'll watch it together. You can share your screen. Oh yeah, but you can't. You wouldn't be able to hear it right. Oh, well, should I mute or something so you don't? Maybe I'll keep it low, and you could have yours up or something like that, and we'll have a little live reaction. Okay. This is really bad, by the way. Skinny puppy protest. Oh, got some, <laughs> got some break dancing, and it's like outside break dancing with like cardboard. And there's goth people out during the day, which is already <laughs> wrong. <laughs> oh God, this is so cringe. <laughs> Do you see the cringe in this already? Yes. <laughs> And this was their big return. Oh, and they're like making fun of the goth people walking up. Like they're like, look like zombies, which they kind of do. Yeah, they do. Of course. I want to say both groups are pretty diverse though. So (laughs) stereotypically diverse. Um, (laughs) Yes. Okay. They're they're having a dance off. Taking off his long jacket. Yes, the backflips. <laughs> oh, so they don't do goth dance. They also break dance. Yeah. Oh. I was expecting some crazy industrial dance movement. They will. They will. Oh, good. This is so embarrassing. It's so cringy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. Look at him. <laughs> oh. I think they do anyway. I love it. Like the goth people with the big hair. Yeah, yeah. And then they just get down. (laughs) I think it means breakdancing unites everybody. (laughs) I also don't trust any goth person really knows how to breakdance. And that's probably going to get me in trouble for saying that. Yeah, I think I would think like more goth people would probably like be belly dancing more than right. They'd be out there. (laughs) Oh no, that did not look good. (laughs) And this is not fancy. Like it's on a street with like a bus going by and like traffic. (laughs) Looks like they use maybe three cameras at the most. This looks awful though oh my god this is worse than i thought 
Well, they're really going for it. They're definitely dancing. Oh, they are. And there's lots of flying around and splits That's a little and god thing they were doing, yeah. <laughs> and the shiny pants. Uh, shiny like vinyl pan pants. You, oh, come on, vinyl and break dancing do not go one in one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> come on. Oh my god, this is so bad. Okay, here we go. I'm gonna have to show Bart because he loves breakdancing and I have to see how he feels about this. He's like, you like skinny puppy, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, he's tearing his clothes off. He took his netted shirt off. Oh, stop it, stop it. They're like, let's bring out the ringer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they, they push through the hip hop kids. Oh my god. Did they kill one of the guys? Um, they outdanced him, I guess. <laughs> to fatigue? Yeah, one of the guys, they outdanced themselves <laughs> and the goth people just walk away oh my god they walk away after they outdance with red eyes <laughs> and yes and then they're like hey you're pretty good that's what the break dancer oh. hip-hop group says and then yeah and they just kind of like make a <sighs> kind of sound oh. like they're and their eyes glow red it's amazing so that was their um their great return back. That was so cringy. <laughs> I mean, come on. Was, it definitely wasn't cool by any means. In 2004? Yeah, that was not cool. 2004. Yeah, it just feels so... Dated? Yeah, and like forced. Like, this is what the kids like. <laughs> yeah. You know what we this should do. This is what they wear. <laughs> Yeah, like they go. So we have to topic. admit the dancers are all like they're really good going out. But so. the premise is really awful, considering a lot of their albums is based on animal rights. <laughs> it <laughs> is like they could have, and it's called protest, and it's just like a weird dance battle. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad I got to see it. <laughs> I recommend everyone to watch that. <laughs> I recommend everyone to listen to Skinny Puppy. Yeah. You can choose this album because Takeshi breaks down some of the songs <laughs> so you understand what's going on. But I also, if it's too much, it's too much. It's a lot. No, I get it. It's, at least Skinny Puppy is still going now and they're doing, I think, better industrial music than that one. That felt like a band that was trying to sound like Skinny Puppy or something weird like that. Like, they weren't being Skinny Puppy. They were just like, okay, we were Skinny Puppy, but we don't have Dwayne, and we can't... So we're just going to try to sound like him in a way. And it was like that for, like, four albums. And I was like, oh, Like, trying God. to find their new voice? Yeah. As Skinny Puppy? Like, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. To me, their newer music's a lot better, so...
It had an awkward phase. <laughs> yeah, and also Skinny Puppy is known for one of the bands that Guantanamo Bay would play during the, the, torture? the water tortures. Yeah. I can see that. And of course, Navek was not happy about it. And he well, made yeah, it known. you shouldn't be able to use people's music for torture. Yeah. Without written consent. Like, how do you, like, I don't know how that works. You, like, create your own torture music. Like, don't use other people's music. Yeah. I mean, you're the army for Christ's sake or whatever the f You could definitely hire someone to do that. Well, because it's just also just like, <laughs> so you can make your own music, make your own torture music. It just seems cruel to yeah. use people's, yeah, especially like you said, like here's this group who actually is like animal rights activists and stuff. Like they're not pro-torture. Right. Do they have a list of the music they would play? Yeah. That got released? Yeah, that's how they found out. Definitely Skinny Puppy was up there and they're like, uh-uh. And I wouldn't are... torture you. You'd be all like, la, la, la. <laughs> right. Unless it was that stuff. <laughs> like, Your torture would be... The video be? repeating over and over. <laughs> God, no. This is a skinny puppy. Christ's sake. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So to end off Gothtober, do you have any thoughts, Santos? I was thinking that we laugh a lot and we like kind of poke fun at some of the goth stuff, but just to remind everybody, like we love goth culture and are part of it in our own ways. So <laughs> it's like our family. <laughs> so, uh, that's one thing I was thinking that there's lots of different variations and flavors of what goth is at this point too and how it's growing and so everyone can have a little you know like find some area of the goth world that they like whether it's aesthetics or music or anime you know like there's all sorts of fun stuff and back then there wasn't like this goth belly dancing stuff uh, scene going on that was kind of mm -hmm. more born in the probably the 2010s or something i don't know about 20 years. Yeah. Early. Early 2000s. Mm, yeah. Because it was first, it was kind of fusion. Ariel has been around for a while now. So. And definitely like the goth industrial scene has moved along quite a bit. It's not stuck in the 90s, probably where I'm always stuck in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they try to fuse like, say, some of the new electronic music in with it per se. So that's definitely a positive. I don't think goth industrial will get as far as it did during the 90s because I think, well, it's either Marilyn Manson or Nine Inch Nails put a nice little bookend to it. So it's back to just being like a very niche genre. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's all these fun little areas to go into and find uh, neat little subcultures. So Yeah, yeah, and definitely yeah. Skinny Puppy is like the subculture in general be just because it's just like it was during this one time where it was this kind of this weird underground scene that people knew about and some kids like me were influenced by it. <laughs> <laughs> but not yeah. everybody. Yeah, that's what's cool. So I hope people have fun, you know, seeing the different sides of it and seeing how much people put into their art. Like it's a really beautiful art form, like however they kind of express in that way. And I'm glad it exists for all the fun goth people out there. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, just because we didn't cover your favorite goth band or anime just yet we will sometime in the future oh yeah definitely yeah this is just like always just like a, such a small <laughs> slice 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, I love Bauhaus to death. <laughs> I love Susie and the Banshees. Mm-hmm. And there's many more that we haven't even yeah. touched on. So we'll get there yes. one day. We will. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about a goth act that we wanted to cover in 2022. So yes, we'll see where it, it goes. Up. I was like, oh man, I should have gotten this in here sooner. But there's time. Um, Gothtober can kind of, yeah, we have pockets of goth t- <laughs> throughout the year. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I think also, like, Burning Man and goth culture also mm-hmm. is a big thing, too. Definitely. There's, like, a nice overlap there. Yeah. Which is crazy because it's nonstop sun. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, desert. You wouldn't think it, but it's there. So, <laughs> and there's a lot of horror goth stuff too in the um, drag world, like with the Boulet brothers and Sharon Needles. Like, there's a lot of goth drag. Um, oh wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of subcultures and just or genres in goth yeah. in general. So yes. So let's wrap this up. You could find me at all social medias at Glitchy Unicorn. And I have. I follow <laughs> Takeshi and all of them. And you can find me on some social medias as Sister Santos. All right. See you next week.
Just want to sit again